I'm Sinead O'Moore and you're listening to Every Mum the Podcast. Every Mum the Podcast was created for one reason, to get honest about parenthood, about the realities, the joys, the surprises and the fears, the moments that form us and the ones we don't hear people talk enough about, which is why we are so proud to partner with Water Wipes as our sponsor for this season, as they share this mission with us and are such an essential brand for every mum. As creators of the world's purest baby wipes containing just two ingredients, 99.9% water and just a drop of fruit extract, water wipes are purer than cotton wool and water. During the early days as a parent, everything is uncertain. But choosing the right wipes shouldn't be a worry. With no artificial fragrance, soap, silicones or colours, Water wipes are suitable for newborn, sensitive, and even premature skin. Together, we are committed to providing more reassurance for parents with trusted products and this podcast, helping us all take those important steps towards greater confidence while building a community of support for every mum. This week, I sat down to welcome Swedish mum of two, Sophie Larsen Skihan, back to Ireland. We hear all about why she and her husband Donald Skian decided that now was the right time to leave LA and how, as life changes, she refocused on what's important to her to confidently raise her two boys. We talk about how there is no picture-perfect parenting, how brand new people can become your new best friends, how she adapted when Donald would travel for work, and of course, we had to talk about food and how they are introducing their boys to delicious new taste experiences. Sophie, thank you so much for joining us on Every Mum, the podcast. I'm so delighted to see your lovely face. I'm so sad that we're not seeing your lovely face in an actual room. I know. Um, this is becoming normal now, meeting people on, on Zoom. <laughs> I feel like someday we'll pass people that we've Zoomed on the street and be like, I feel like I know that person. I know. I should know you. <laughs> I should know you, but I've actually never met you. So, so Thank you for having me. It's very exciting having a, it's my first, my first podcast. Which I'm really surprised to hear. Really? Yeah. <laughs> God, you've such an exciting life. So I thought we'd, I was so delighted when, when you accepted and especially, you know, to hear that you're back in Ireland, which is wonderful. So welcome back. Thank you. It is. It's. Um, it feels really good being back, and especially now, what's going on over in in the states and in the world. It's. It's nice to feel safe, safer at home than we were over there. I watched a video that you and your family created for for Donald's YouTube, explaining the reasons why you made the decision to come home, and also some hilarious footage of the moving process. <laughs> which looked quite dramatic and um, actually feels like that was we were just saying before we we started it was like um it felt like doing that video was a little bit of therapy as well because you just like you went through it because you had to and then never really looked or thought back on it and watching the the clips of like the kids with the masks and everything is like oh my god we actually did that so take us back to that kind of decision I, I think what I really took from the video was that a large proportion of that decision was down to you guys really missing the support of family around you, especially for the kids being so young. Yes. So it definitely started 
I have to go back a little bit. So I, we found out we were pregnant with Oliver in March of last year. And then before we knew that, you know, like I couldn't travel with the, with the pregnancy and everything, let's go home for one, you know, one last um, holiday this summer. Uh, and while we were here, everyone was, you know, so excited to play with Noah, who was a year and a half at the time. And he was, um, you know, running around and playing with the, you know, he was play like we, down here in Hoth, he was playing with or throwing things at the seals. He, you know, he was just loving being home and having grandparents around and us realizing what it's like having a support system around when when Donald's parents like why don't you guys go for a walk and we'll put put Noah down we're like what is that is that possible um and that kind of it started like I think it's so to see that we wanted to um with the second have a little bit more of that and was that going to be us just spending more time over in Ireland or was it going to be a full move we didn't really know we didn't know that answer to that in like start of March of this year. We're like, what are we gonna do back and forth? And um, then COVID happened and we were really kind of, I suppose it put, it put us under a little bit of like, it put the pressure on a little bit that we had to just figure out that like, there is a risk that if we don't go now and airports are open and everything, who knows how long this is gonna go on for, how like, maybe they like like what's happening now you can't fly from america to europe and that was all in the back of our mind making the decision and then um it just it felt like you know with with that pressure it felt like the right thing to do and we we're like let's let's go back let's stay here and kind of ride the wave back in ireland and now when we're here and settled in the house it's like we're not going anywhere we're we're here we're home <laughs> Good decision, bad decision? Good decision. Definitely a good decision, especially um, seeing, yeah, what's happening over in the States. And I mean, not that, not that I think, you know, your average like household is necessarily, you know, it's not worse being in lockdown there than it is here, but it's, it's just the uncertainty. And now with COVID going crazy over there and having to do that, again without any support was stressful uh, back in March so imagining doing that month after month after month would be would be hard even though it was funny moving continent and country to a lockdown situation where you couldn't get the help you moved for in the first place <laughs> anyways and we were waving to our or to Noah's grandparents through the window that was kind of like, this is not what we moved here for. <laughs> yeah, you're a meter away, but I still can't get the help I, I was hoping. And not the welcome home experience you were, you, you were used to either, you know? No, it was, it was the whole thing was bizarre. Because I think if you know me as a person, I'm a little bit over the top when it comes to getting stuff done. If I've decided we're gonna do something, we're gonna do it. A lot of the airlines would take passengers, but not animals and cargo at the time. Um, so he kind of held us up for a good month and a bit where we weren't sure when he was allowed to travel. And um, anyway, so that was like the focus. And then when we finally got him organized, then it was like, now, okay, now we have to get all the cargo shipped over. So that was the next thing. And then 
when that was finally sorted, it's like, okay, we have to pack up the house and clean the house and get us all, you know, organized. And then we closed the door on the house and went to the airport with, I think, 16 bags. It was, I've never seen anything like it. It was ridiculous. It was four kids and, or two kids um, and three adults because um, Arthur, a good friend of us, traveled with us. And uh, don't know how we would do it without him, first of all. But it was just, again, everything turned into projects. It was like getting the bags to the airport and getting the bags from the airport to the check-in desk. And then when we came home here, it was getting you know everything into the cars and then seeing Donald's parents that had dro driven two cars to the airport and sat in one waving at us while we were like, you know, packing the two cars and then they drove all the bags, we drove ourselves. And um, then we came home to a house that we rented that we'd never seen before and, you know, unpacked and everything. And then you just sat and like, like, what did we just do? <laughs> Like, what just happened? Um, so in a very kind of scene, it's gone, it's gone back into a therapy session. It's like, good, good, keep going. <laughs> but the thing is, it's not over. It's only the beginning of your new phase of your life back in Ireland. Yeah. Um, and it was such, it, you know, watching the video, it's very lighthearted, but you could see underneath it, the amount of stress and when you live through that type of determination and there's so many barriers and every single day you're turning on the news and there's a new reason why something else might go wrong. Yeah. You get tunnel vision and you probably haven't felt actually the power of how upsetting a time that no, was. No, see, I almost the poor person. I, I hope they're not listening to this. There was a, I, we were trying to book the flights um, back and for obvious reasons, all the flights kept being canceled. So Max's flights got canceled, then it got delayed and then it got moved and the route, like the route changed. He was supposed to go through San Francisco to Ireland and then he ended up going through London. Like for a minute there, I wasn't even sure where he was or where he was going. It was just <laughs> what's going on. And then in the, like in the middle of all that, our flights got canceled. And that would be fine if it was just, you know, me and Donald, say, traveling. But I feel like as soon as you add kids to the mix, you have to be the calm one. You have to be the one in charge. And you can't turn around to your own parent or team leader and go, like, fix this for me. It was like, it was up to me to fix it. And like you said, you just get this tunnel vision of we just have to, we just have to do it. But after like the third email of our flights being cancelled I was just like for f's sake come on like <laughs> give us a break what's going on here and uh anyways we got there in the end was there ever a moment where you just sat there and said let's just stay let's just stay no because in the moment like in that moment I'm so like annoyingly determined that it was like if we're gonna rent a boat and sail over we're getting home <laughs> We are uh, crossing the Atlantic on a yeah, dinghy. one way or another. <laughs> with our dog and two children. Yeah. And 16 bags of luggage and Arthur. It was our flight and two other flights and the entire day. Like we just sat there and Noah was running around. He had the entire airport to himself and we were just like, 
that's when it hit me the first time what like what's actually going on in the world and um it was also right before people had started suggesting wearing masks so some people were dressed in like they looked like they were wearing like beekeeper hats or not like suits they were very like very um protected and then we had our normal masks on and Noah wouldn't wear his and he kept throwing it off and us panicking at him touching everything and then and like I feel like true mother style I was like let's not like we're just gonna have to go with the flow and we can't panic over this and um we also then realized that there's probably no other time ever this airport is going to be as clean as it is as of right now it's probably being cleaned every hour and there's no one here so if there's one time in your life you can roll around on the floor <laughs> it's now <laughs> um but yeah that was that was the weirdest thing then in going on the flight i think it was only maybe a hundred people on the flight but it was for weight reasons they have to put everyone at the you know over the wings so even though there's no one on the flight we're all being stuck together with like people right behind you when you're supposed to have you know the two meter distance you just had to go with with the flow and just get there and not panic we had to we had to just believe that you know the airline and the staff knew what they were doing and you know did their best to keep us all safe as well so it was um you just had to put yourself into their their care their mercy yeah but you did become a mother in america Yes. And the transition from woman to mother is so intense and so massive and a little similar to what you just described. You have to learn to just go with the flow because a lot of the control is taken away from you, no matter how focused and determined you can be. Yeah. What was that experience like for you being so far, not only away from Ireland, but away from your, your home home of Sweden? Actually, so again going back a little bit we got married in 2015 and then we moved to the states in 2017 and between in those two years we obviously were talking about wanting to have kids and everything but not not that it had to happen at a certain time or also you never know if if it can happen in the first place um so we weren't, you know, it's not like we were on a schedule where this is, this has to happen before this date, but we, we wanted to have kids at the same time as we were traveling an awful lot. So we were, you know, going back and forth uh, to the States and we were in Asia and it was, it was all over the place, which I think looking back at it messed up like my like system a little bit. So like, you know, we started wondering, like, why am I not getting pregnant? And why am I like, you know, what am I doing wrong? And my, um, my period started not, which was always like clockwork stopped, or like started coming and going at random times. And it wasn't until we, I think, got settled in LA. So we moved to LA in January, and I got pregnant at the beginning of March. So it was like, my body was just waiting for us to find one place, I think. And to realize that again afterwards, it was like all this, like I put stress on myself for it not happening. The traveling and the time differences put stress on, on my body. And there, you know, there were so many reasons why it, I can see it now quite clear. There was many, like, yeah, there was a few reasons why it didn't just, you know, happen. 
And then we obviously got very excited when it did happen and terrified at the same time because it's like, this happens when we're on the other side of the world. I went to a um, um, reflexologist a little like, and she said, I see you having a baby. And she said, you just have to be aware that because you want them, you want the baby to arrive here doesn't mean that that's the baby's plan. He might want to come in, like, you know, in America, Sweden, or, you know, you just have to, it's going to happen the way it's going to happen. And um, so I kind of had that in the back of my mind. And then when it did happen in the States, I was like super excited, obviously, and then terrified that it happened without the support system of um, knowing what, you know, we didn't have we didn't have a hospital we didn't know what how it like you don't know as a first time parent how the system works anywhere and then when you come to a new country I suppose it was another you know step of like yay I'm pregnant but now what like where do we go who do I call like um so it yeah it was exciting and terrifying at the same time the fact that it happened so so far away and the fact that you couldn't just call your parents or a friend and ask like so where did you go or, or, or you know what happened where did you go and um you just had to figure it out all yourself and that was that was the scary bit and that was just the pregnancy bit then that was the first to- week of pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> um i think in in general, like the, the pregnancy for me, very, I'm very lucky to have had two very easy pregnancies. Um, so the, the actual like physical part of pregnancy wasn't very difficult for me. It was the mental preparation and, um, I suppose having someone to, to lean on when you had questions or, if there's a weird, like I was worried about, I had a placenta previa. Um, so it wasn't until week 37, I think, where we knew that I could actually, you know, have a, a, a normal delivery. Um, so I wasn't even sure what I was preparing for. Do you know what I mean? Like I was, I was on my phone to my mom and I was like, are we preparing for a C-section or are we preparing for like a hypnobirth or are we, you know, there was so much to consider that there was a, like, I had an amazing doctor, thankfully, that kind of took me under her wing because she could, she could see it was stressful and the fact that we didn't have anyone. There's so many women though that are in that boat right now that are in places that they didn't expect to have to start their families in. Yeah. And it'll be so reassuring for them to know that how they're feeling isn't rare. Like that, that's, yeah. that everybody, if you find yourself in that position. Um, so then when the baby was born, did you realize that you did need to, to now kind of build, you know, we often hear of the village of support, but was that a, like, I need new mum friends? Yeah, I, so what happened for us was that we randomly found um, a friend with Swedish connections that, so she was American and he was Swedish and they had two boys um, just before I was uh, giving birth to Noah. 
So she was a huge support in like what to expect. And obviously when you were having a boy, so she was giving me lots of, you know, little like advice and stuff. And um, she kind of became the person that I was asking about uh, epidurals. She was very good at kind of preparing me for, I got the book of hypnobirthing and, you know, getting like all the, the breathing right, which was a real, lifesaver for me that was how I got through both pregnancies uh, or both the deliveries but um she was she was the one person that I felt had gone through it recently enough to like you know to know how how it works and um then I had also started uh prenatal yoga and it was really funny how in that same class I I met a girl or we kind of had talked a little bit and then we went to the hospital classes you know the like the cpr classes and uh, uh all the delivery um classes and she was there as well and then we started talking a bit more and realized we only lived like two streets from each other and from that day on we were just like in and she gave birth the day i left our hospital she came in to the same hospital to give birth to her daughter so we were literally like we could high five by me going out and she coming in and um so the the kids are only two days apart so we were like and i think that happened just the week before the kids were born so we were you know the ones sitting on whatsapp at five o'clock in the morning it's like i can't sleep i can't get him to feed and he's not latching on and she uh, was worried about um the happy rash or something and we were literally sitting like are we the only people in the world right now like whatsapping at three o'clock in the morning <laughs> but we were so lucky to have that um so lucky. you know it's go so through important. every single step together um so she became my the two of those the the, um, the two girls brenda and grace became my two like they were your people yeah they, they were my village and you don't need a lot if you have if you have a good if you have a good village it doesn't have to be very big no but it's so funny how perfect strangers at the right time at the yeah. right stage in your life become lifelines yeah and it doesn't matter that you haven't known them since you were a child. Like these new people just come into your life. And because yeah. they're going through exactly the same thing that you're going through, there is such a bond that's created. Yeah. And the funny, we've said that a few times, especially myself and Grace, who had the baby so close, that um, we didn't know each other before we were moms, but we became moms at the same time. So we had like that birth for us happened at the same time. So that is like, you know, we've always, we're, we're, we're meant to know each other as parents. But you've, they're, they're the people that know you for who you are now. You know? Yes, exactly. Yeah. They've known you as long as you've been a mum. So yeah, yeah. We've gone through every uh, sleepless night together and we still do, even with the, with a eight hour time difference, we still, we still like check in on each other when, it's, when it's getting rough, which is, which is so lovely. How did you find Donal having to travel quite a bit, especially in those early few weeks, months and years um, of figuring it out? Did I, it, I know myself, I would feel kind of, 
I would feel additional additional nerves when it's all on me. You know, when you're yeah. the responsible adult in the building. Yeah. So how how did you adapt to that? It was hard. It was hard for both of us because he didn't necessarily want to leave, but it's how we can pay our bills. So you don't really have a choice. Um, and he would really, you know, he would really struggle having to leave us and knowing that it was adding the extra pressure on, on me. And like the day to day, because again, he would have to go maybe two, three weeks at a time. So it wasn't just a, you know, it wasn't just a long weekend or something. Um, and going back to what I was saying about the travel, I think I just have this, I don't know if it's a survival instinct or something where I just get on with it. There's no point in being upset about it or like, I, I just seem to like, which maybe isn't very healthy now when I think about it, but it's like putting out the emotions because it's like, don't have time to, to don't like, have time to feel it right now. Yeah. I'm just like, you know, it's not going to help if I, um, sit and cry myself to sleep we just have to you know get through it which in fairness gives gave me a very like it put me into a good routine very quickly like when he was away so we found our routine and I think the fact that we have the dog Max too you know it was like you have to get out and take him for a walk twice a day so that kind of like it brought us out of the house it made um it made nap time and everything kind of fall into a nice rhythm um so that side of things wasn't actually too bad and we also had a deal that when Donald went away he would help me stock up the freezer so there was a lot of like you know prepared foods and stuff and um in fairness you got the right guy for stocking yeah, the freezer yeah <laughs> we we just like don't don't just uh don't just go you know it was like he really he really helped just pre like preparing as, as much as we could with the having the food ready and um it just you know he always checked in when he arrived somewhere and sometimes i think if you're anything like me you just want to talk so you don't need to necessarily like have someone tell you oh, he didn't nap today. You probably did this wrong or you probably did that wrong. You just need someone to hear you when you're frustrated or tired that this day didn't go to plan. And he was very good at doing that. You know, if you woke up early or before I went to bed or whatever time difference it was, we just had a little chat where I could, where I could vent basically. And then like, that's how we got through it. And then I actually think the hardest part of, Donald traveling <laughs> sounds so terrible when you say it out loud. Was when he came back because it's finding the routine again. Like you get into a good routine, you and the baby, and then you have to like scratch all that and start a new routine again, the three of you. And like obviously you want Donald to be included in the routine. It's just it takes time to get into that routine. You have and to retrain then, him in your routine. Yes, and me that I like I don't do everything the right way all the time or my way isn't the only way. And you know, so there's all that that you have to um relearn and then you have to uh like get into get into your new routine and then he was off again, you know, three weeks later and then you have to start. So that was the hardest part for me. The like the constant like having to you never just got to you know if you if you were both in a 
nine to five job and you were like this is what our day looks like and to me that would be very helpful i think instead of this like you know two weeks of it working great this a week where everything is all over the place and then three weeks where it's working this way and it's so that was the hardest like side effect of, of all his travel constantly changing at the same time that your baby's needs are constantly changing and yeah even the sleep routine or food routine that you had three weeks ago might not be appropriate no. where you're at now so yeah. I totally sympathize I, listening to that is like how did you keep adapting all the time but in an in, like in another way because I think maybe it helped us be, because we had to like reevaluate all the time if it was working and like you know Donald would come home and it's like but well, we used to do it this way and I was like oh that's old like that's too where have you old. been yeah. <laughs> um, I did it that way in three days <laughs> so so I think it like it helped us kind of constantly be like ready to and open to evolve instead of just being like well we want him to sleep at this time and you know it it doesn't always work that way so like it, it, there's good and bad in 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 both but it did help us um be open to changing it's not always picture perfect i don't know i think it's it's every parent's life is real and yeah. because what goes out into that little square looks lovely it isn't the sum of the full day. No, definitely not. And I think, I think we can all, because I think it's funny too, I never set out to, you know, be an Instagram personality or, you know, it's kind of, it's happened over time. And I think we can all be better at sharing the, the good and the bad. Because I think I, it, yeah if you follow us it like you it kind of you, you go black when things are not great and it's like it's lovely because there was a, a week ago or so someone uh, a few people actually texted me privately and said are you guys okay i seen you haven't posted anything in uh, but it's i think still for everyone to be a little bit more or for us sharing that you have to show the good and the bad because it's not always or like, you know, you share a lovely snippet of Noah and Max walking home from school and then the absolute shit show that was putting Noah to bed because he had missed his nap in, in crash. <laughs> that doesn't make it onto the internet. <laughs> uh, which is also the, the reality of it. And I think we, if you are sharing the good, you also have to, you know, to share the bad for people to not think that what's on Instagram is someone's entire life because that is, not the case it's so important and then you added another one into the mix yeah i was gonna say that was a great idea <laughs> <laughs> just because it was all going so easy <laughs> what will we do let's make more tiny humans that we need to care for yes it is the funniest thing how we've talked about this quite a lot how like i feel like with noah i was so I don't know if it's just me or if it's every mom, but I was so nervous of him like reaching the milestones on, you know, and maybe it's a very American thing too. I don't know, but it's like, you, it's almost like you get a spreadsheet when they're born and it's like at eight weeks, they should do this. And at 
four months they should do this and if they don't do if they only know 49 words instead of 50 it's obviously something wrong and you have to you know um which adds another like level of stress I huge think. pressure and every single baby every single human is different and develops yeah. things in their own time yeah so i used to really get frustrated at those spreadsheets that my baby is supposed to reach certain things at a certain date yeah it's it's unnecessary and i think it's kind of unkind i, I understand it's appropriate to like get a broad scope of is your child within a developmental range but yeah. definitely don't hold yourself accountable to each little tiny box on that sheet no absolutely because i think that that drove me a little bit insane and I, I worried so much the first the first year well even actually up until so I speak Swedish to Noah and he obviously gets English through like daycare and Donal and every, everywhere else um so I was like oh maybe I'm putting him back with with his speech because he was really slow I thought at the beginning and like nothing's happening and I'm he's sitting here like you know almost um you, you know trying to point at this tractor for like two weeks and why isn't it happening and uh, stressing over that and then I think it was a week before his second birthday it was just like you just opened this door and he went from not speaking to speaking in sentences and having like you know it, it was when he was ready for it and no spreadsheet or no doctor or no anyone else would make that happen faster or uh, slower I think he it just happened when he was ready and that was kind of such a like kind of eye-opener for me that like you know it's gonna happen he's gonna be sleeping night and he's gonna speak and he's gonna be able to eat with a fork and like drink with the, in a normal glass like it's all gonna happen in his own time and that with the second child I think I've been so much more relaxed or like confident I guess. I had that same conversation in the last episode we did with um Nicola who's a mum of six. Wow. Yeah. Six. I need her number I don't know how to be mum of two. <laughs> this is exactly why I wanted to talk to her and, I, and, and like that I said I, I'm struggling with the concept of having to think about how I'm going to introduce another child into this mix yeah and keep you know it all go I'll keep the show on the road and her her greatest advice like from the whole episode was the transition from zero to one child is by far by far the hardest and after six children if she could go back and tell herself one thing in that first baby's raising time yeah was to be so much kinder to herself and yeah to trust herself so much more and to trust her own abilities and her own motherhood and her, you know, that her confidence with each child just grew and grew and grew. Yeah. And all those insecurities that you just spoke about, they just don't matter anymore. No. because You know, your child is going to grow up and be well and be happy and be safe because of the environment that you surrounded them in. Yeah. And if you do see that there is a genuine problem, you know, find a solution, find um, medical or supportive advice for that for sure. But all of the things that used to race in all of our heads at 2 a.m., they, they diminish with each child. Noah started crash last week. I was laughing at the fact that so even though you're, I feel like I'm more relaxed with 
the developmental side of, of like Oliver and that it's going to happen. I think finding a, like the logistical thing too, I'm finding harder to, to get a balance. Whereas like baby number one can just, you know, come with you. Like, you know, like nothing really. Like an accessory. Yeah, a, l- a little bit. <laughs> it's harder with the, t- with the, with the second to, to make it, you know, um, have a shower or wash your hair or like all that kind of stuff. And I was laughing, picking him up, seeing all these parents in there who's obviously gone back into work, you know, they're in their suits and they're in like, they're looking so proper. And I <laughs> turned up in my hoodie. So first of all, I'm in like yoga pants and a hoodie. And I had puke on one shoulder and I had uh, dried in tomato sauce on the other. And I was like, everyone else manages to like, look presentable i've managed to get here on time and that to me mattered most because obviously again now you're not allowed to go into the crash to pick them up so they bring the kids out and i was like to me it's more important that noah sees me there every day when they open the gates than me arriving 10 minutes late but i had my you know like my makeup on or a clean shirt that is not as important to me right now in this in this moment and that just I had to be okay with that too, that like, you know, you have to learn what your priorities are in, in the moment that you're in. I bet if you had been inside the heads of the people that you saw at the school gates that you thought were looking proper, they had a thousand things going on in their heads where they felt, I didn't get that finished or I shouldn't have left or I shouldn't be here or I don't have time for this or when I get home, I have to do this, but then I have to re-log on here and I have, and probably looking at you going, I really wish I could be so present and at the school gates or at the crash gates or the child with time on his gates. Just, I think that we, we, we do that. We always play ourselves down assuming everybody else has it sorted and nobody else does. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think you're right. And I think that's a good reminder too. I think you can tell yourself that in the morning and by lunchtime you've forgotten it already. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's true. You can tell yourself every single day. It's, it's, it's a different thing to believe it. Yeah. Um, tell me more about, so you're, you're bringing up these two boys with such a mix of parenting cultures because you've got the Irish, you've got, you know, Swedish, you have those early formative years. Well, maybe, you know, more so for, for Noah in the U.S., you know, how has that blended to your kind of your parenting? I think I am always going to be a Swedish mother because it's all I know and it's all I've ever, you know, experienced myself. That was very apparent in the States where Scandinavian parenting and American parenting could not be further from each other. Explain that quickly for us. So what are the biggest differences? In Sweden, you, and here too, I feel like, you know, you, you let them play in the dirt or they can be out, you know, splashing in a puddle or, you know, whatever. Whereas like in the States, everything is so organized. And if like they eat a little bit of sand in the playground, it's like, I'm the worst parent ever. I was at a, a birthday which was like beautifully set in a park under trees and there was a long table and there was like half of us had kids with us every single child was strapped into their stroller whatever age 
being entertained by phones or snacks or whatever uh, works. And Noah, I think, was four months at the time on a blanket on the ground. And like the people were like staring at me. It's like, what on earth are you doing? He's like, he's pulling in grass. He's getting like, you know, dirt. And it made me so conscious that what I was doing was different, which like, of course you let them like sleep on a blanket under a tree. Like I thought it was this ideal setting and everyone was looking at me like I was, you know, insane. Um, so I think that that's a good explanation. And which how is hard when you're feeling kind of vulnerable anyway at that stage of motherhood. Yeah. Where you're questioning yourself if you're doing the right thing all the time to yeah. be surrounded by people who are also questioning what you're doing. Absolutely. And a lot of pressure. Um, there's this book called The Danish Way of Parenting. I don't know if you've heard yeah. about it. It's an American um, author who lives in Denmark. Explain it very briefly was that if you think of um, American movies, for example, almost every single American movie has a happy ending. Like a Hollywood movie has a happy ending. Um, whereas if you think of Scandinavian movies, it's like, I don't know if you've seen like the girl with the dragon tattoo and like Wallander and it's all like, you know, it's crime. It's kind of dark. It's very realistic. Um, so her explanation was that in the States, you protect your child for as long as possible to think that the world will always have a happy ending. Whereas in Scandinavia, you're like, you know, you're not going to be everyone's best friend. Not everyone's going to like you. Not everyone is going to agree with you, but you have to learn that and rather learn that from an early age than get a shock when you end up in school, when your parents can't, you know, protect you anymore. So you're seeing more similarities between the Irish style of parenting and the Swedish? Yeah, well, I've been an Irish parent for two months and one and a half of those in lockdown. So, <laughs> so you can't really compare. But I feel like, you know, with friends and even Donald's parents and, and what I what I see in the playgrounds, you know, people are, it's not the end of the world if the apple falls on the ground and you pick it up and eat it again. I, I feel like Ireland and Sweden are more similar. And tell me then, so you, you spoke about how you have been teaching bilingual languages, uh, you know, speaking in Swedish mm. to your sons. Um, and in the beginning, you'd started by saying how you thought that, that might have been delaying the speech. But now that you've come through that fear, do you see the, the benefits coming forward now? Yeah, I think it's absolutely amazing that he, that we, ha we also had, when Noah was, I want to say between six months and a year and a half, we had a nanny come twice a week in LA and she had, she was speaking French to him. Um, so she, like, you can, you can see still that there's, like, you know, if you say a certain word, there's a French book. I try, I have no French, but I try to read the book and he, um, he totally understands this still. And if I speak Swedish, he understands everything, even though he will fall into replying in English most of the time. But as we FaceTime with my parents, and he hears it even for like five, 10 minutes, he starts answering back in Swedish. So like the foundation is still definitely there. And I don't know if it delayed his speech or not, but it's, it's worth it. I mean, 
it's it's amazing to see him switching from one language to the next and if i say that it's a so airplanes is his favorite at the moment and airplane in swedish is the flygplan and if i say airplane in english he's like no mama it's flygplan and it's like <laughs> even like realizing what word belongs to what language is pretty pretty amazing to see in a two and a half year old it's brilliant it goes back to what you said about you know preparing them for the realities of the real world the realities of the real world is that lots of different languages are spoken and yeah. it's our job to to learn them and appreciate them and when we're visiting different places to be conscious of them and try and you know speak their language back so it's a brilliant yeah. skill to kick off so soon the other thing that of course you're teaching your boys in your home i'm sure is an appreciation for good food yes we're trying to <laughs> and that starts with weaning uh, yeah. which i know is another hurdle that so many parents get 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 stuck on probably as you said or like already probably more with the first than the second yeah as we get more you know um i remember even like looking at recipes about how to you know boil and mash a carrot like yeah. i know how to boil and mash a carrot why am I being so nervous about yeah. boiling and mashing a carrot? So I don't think that that'll happen the second time around. So coming from such a food orientated place as parents, what was your approach? I started off when I was pregnant and we got to the doctor and they gave me a long list of stuff I shouldn't eat. And it was like, obviously like I'll stay away from, you know, say the raw fish and, you know, there's certain things that you don't, you know, you don't have to, to eat, but there was a lot of um my doctor was very strict on like don't eat too much spicy food for example and I was like well that's all we that's all we eat so all during the pregnancy and likewise during I've been breastfeeding both boys and through the breastfeeding process I haven't stopped eating anything so like there's always been like spicy foods or um different flavors and I this is my own maybe bonkers theory but like maybe there is something to do with the fact that there's always been the the diversity and flavors like you know through the breast milk and through everything that it's not it's bonkers not at all but there's a lot of studies into it and absolutely confirm that that the more yeah. varied the flavors that you are consuming um and in pregnancy and then also in breastfeeding it all it all changes the flavor so every feed tastes that little bit different yeah like every meal at a later date will taste that little yeah. bit different. well i'm glad i'm glad it's not just no not just your crazy theory no um, but so because then it started with noah at around again in the states they want you to start weaning at four months which i felt was just too early he wasn't really you know sitting up or interested so we started around six and a half months i think and he had absolutely no interest in purees i had gone through like i'd gone to the supermarket and gotten all the different like you know vegetable puree them i was so proud of myself for you know freeze like the entire freezer was full of homemade purees he had absolutely no interest in it and all he wanted was to grab stuff from our plates yeah i had one of those too <laughs> yeah let him as we were you know as we were preparing the food if we were i don't know chopping a carrot we would give him a stick of the carrot and he would like chew even though he wouldn't get any like be able to swallow anything he he got the interest i think of the different flavors and textures and um so just yeah he was included very early on in the preparation and he was like 
plonked on the kitchen counter in his little chair and he was sitting there as Donal was, you know, chopping and cooking and baking. And then we had to realize that purees is not going to happen and we're going to have to just do the, the weed process, which was kind of terrifying when we, you know, when the teeth happened and he started like uh, biting off things and he was like what I thought choking, but it was like, you know, just the gag reflex. And that was really scary to to see him have to, you know, go through the learning how to like clear it, I suppose. And so that was, that added another like bit of anxiety to me that I think with Oliver, you realize that it's normal and it's, you know. Um, but I think it made, it, it meant Noah starting, he started eating a lot later because he was, had no interest in the pure and he couldn't, you know, chew down a, like a, a big Vietnamese pho bowl either. So it was a lot of, you know, sucking on, on the noodles or, you know, getting the dressing, which was a funny thing. It didn't matter how spicy, sour anything was. Like, you know, we were doing the little video of him trying a lemon for the first time, thinking that we'll get that like really cute Instagram video. And he loved it and just kept sucking on it. And we're like, no, that's not at all the way it was expected. Um, so it was a little bit of a trial and error and just following his own, lead and his cues and his you know what he was interested in and it has not stopped he's the funniest kid who starts eating the salad leaves then goes on to the when the salad's gone he'll eat the vegetables or he'll eat the uh, meat and then he'll leave like the pasta or the potatoes last whereas like I think most most kids would probably go for the bread or the you know the other way around but yeah I don't know he's, he's his favorite thing is mushrooms as well and I think that started because being Swedish, you forage for mushrooms a lot in the summer in the forest. So before he had had a mushroom, I think we were like, let's go and look for mushrooms. And, you, you know, yes, it was a game pointing at them in the grass. And ever since he's been obsessed with mushrooms and we have this little like 50s mushroom book in black and white at home. And he's like, he's flipping through the uh, pictures and going like, that looks like an umbrella and this looks like whatever. And the, so I don't know if it's just a um, a mixture of all those things that we have such an interest in it. He's been allowed to try everything from day one. We haven't tried to give him a separate plate or even if we did try, he wouldn't eat it. He would always go for our food. Make it a, like a game and exploring and a bit of fun and messy. Absolutely. Know? I was going to say it's it's very messy and he is both of them like <laughs> we have photos of noah with like uh, there's like tomato sauce in his ears like it's it goes everywhere max is loving at the dog because he gets to eat half the meal on the floor but it's um i think it's just lovely to see them explore the textures parenthood in general i think i have learned that you as a parent don't always know best either you have to let your child you have to ha you have to give them the space to like know what they want and a lot of the time I feel like they will show you the way if you let them if you like if you again going back to like me always like micromanaging it's like that doesn't always work it's amazing to see what can happen when you just let them explore if that's with food or with water or with the grass in, in your garden or whatever it is I think that's to me is the most like amazing part as, as a parent is to just 
see where they like take you. Well, whatever you're doing, you're doing, it sounds like you're doing great. You've given them so many different experiences of travel, of different cultures, of different languages, of different ways of exploring nature, of different ways of exploring food. Um, they, and, and to, to have started them so young, they're so little and they've lived huge lives because of the way that you both are raising them. So I just think whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Because they oh. look like two very, very happy little boys. And the more we can tell ourselves to relinquish all of that control that, you know, as, as women and, and as adults, we tend to, to live by, because that's the culture that we've been told that you have yeah. to abide by. It doesn't work for little people. You've got to let them become who they want to be in a safe and loving place. Yeah. And I also th I, I think when you're, when we're talking about that, I think a lot of the time as parents or for me anyways, you know, you're trying, especially under, during lockdown, you're trying to do, you're trying to cook dinner and you're trying to clean the house and you're trying to hang a wash and you're trying to be, you know, present with your children. And I think two things I've learned during this lockdown is that it's okay for one day to focus on the house and not feel like you're letting your kids down because sometimes you have to you know do housework or you've got grown-up jobs yeah and then other days it is absolutely fine to let the kitchen go into a complete mess or the wash to not be hung until the next day to just sit on the floor and play with your kids too because what happened I feel like like Oliver was born in end of November and it's now He's basically grown up through lockdown and it has so much is happening. He's like, he's seven months and he's already standing up and like within this madness that has been the last few months, I feel like there, there's times where you almost like, oh my God, like where did, where did the learning to crawl go? You're already, and it's like, you just have to be in the moment because this is probably the hardest season of your life, but it will also pass in a, blink of an eye so it's enjoying it in the madness is so important so important Sophie thank you so much for joining us and for giving us your time in your madness you you managed to to so uh, kindly give us your time today to share your experience and I hope that you've and I know you will have helped so many that are raising kids in different countries or just adapting to to new ways and new challenges of motherhood um, and we're all just we're all just um doing our best as we go i think is the most important takeaway no one's an expert no one knows what i definitely don't know what i'm doing a lot of the time and that is that's okay and i think that that has been the my biggest learning curve in this that everyone's doing their best and that is enough absolutely enough and I'm so excited to see lockdown hopefully open up a little bit more so you can you can enjoy the reason why you moved back to Ireland. Yes, fingers crossed. Fingers <laughs> crossed we can see each other soon and, and meet up properly. Yes, fish and chips and hoes will be had. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love you to subscribe, rate and leave a review. 
Share this episode across social. Get in touch with this week's wonderful guest, Sophie Skian on Instagram. And we'll talk to you again next week. Water wipes are an essential for every mum, from that first nappy change to those messy weaning months. As creators of the world's purest baby wipes, water wipes are purer than cotton wool and water and are proud sponsors of Every Mum, the podcast.